Good evening, TDN listeners, to everyone, and thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to me on tdnradio.net or watching on Facebook Live on TDN TV or on RVR DigiPlay Channel 59 in Dominica, thank you for tuning in. This is this weekend interview with your host, Anthony Drago. I appreciate you spending time with us every Wednesday. Uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, I know you have a busy schedule, so I really appreciate the fact that you make the time to, to be with me. To my regular listeners, welcome. And if tonight is the first time that you're listening to this weekend interview, I'm really happy that you're here. And hopefully after tonight, you too will become a regular listener. Uh, tonight's episode is a, is a follow-up on last week's episode where uh, I had the two members of the Wesley Development Organization on, and they were telling us about the dilemma that they are facing with the acquisition of their property by the government of Dominica as part of the construction of the international airport. And at that time, they revealed that the, there, were, there was little or no negotiation with them by the government for the acquisition of their land. As a matter of fact, they indicated that the land was acquired and they only found out about it after the fact. And as of last week, some of them still had not received any formal word or any formal negotiation as to what they would, how they would be compensated for, for their land. And so what I have on tap for us tonight is uh, an attorney, as I, as I promised with you, um, someone who has expertise in law that can explain what right the government has, was the privilege of the government in being able to take land from private citizens um, under, under what circumstances. And in those circumstances, what is the privilege of the private owner in terms of his ownership of his land? And I'm, I was very happy that Mr. Tiani Behanzi was able to, to join me uh, to, to throw some light from the legal point of view on, on that on that topic. Um, so Tihani, I am honored to have you and I'm appreciative that you can come and bring some technical um, light onto the whole issue. So a very warm welcome to you, to TDN Radio and to this weekend interview. Yes, well, uh, I, I want to say hello to those who are listening uh, to your radio program via any terrestrial uh, channels as well as listening uh, to the program via various um, uh, media platforms and uh, social media. So uh, good evening to you all. Yes, good evening. Welcome. I don't, by way of background, let's just, um, I, I, I would like to have you um, just introduce yourself to, to the audience, give them a background of your, of your profession, or, of your familiarity, of your profession. So that as we go forward, person can people can understand on what authority um, that you're given the information that you're given tonight. Yes. Well, I I, I live in uh, in the area of Wesley, um, uh, one of a few attorneys uh, living in that area. Although the, the I think the other two have moved out of Wesley, um, and I was asked by the Wesley Development Organization to to um, attend a public uh, meeting on the 13th of October about the issue of acquisition, you know, looking at the, the, the actual law, legislation that allows the government to acquire uh, uh, in the 
individual's land for um, you know for whatever purpose it is. Uh, so I, in in doing so, I obviously did research as to you know what was the position. Uh, so we had a little position from the Land Acquisition Act, Chapter Fifty Three O Two. Very, it's been a piece of legislation that's been in place for some time. But what I also then did, I also then um, looked at the various um, publications of the official gazette uh, to acquire the information as to whether or not the government had in fact um, acquired any, any portions of land and whether they have done so um, with the spirit of, of what the act would have expected. And that is what um, um, I did, I think, accidentally, I would say. I came upon some information that indicated that um, uh, uh, most of the land had actually been acquired by the time that we had this public meeting. Uh, that the lands were in fact acquired. Um, so I want you to repeat that because uh, we lost you first. Vance, we lost you for a second yes. there. I repeat that last thing okay. that you said. When you did the research, you came up yeah. on what? Yeah. When, I, yeah, when I did the research, I discovered that a lot of the land had already been acquired without the knowledge of the people, and in some cases without even negotiating with them, and most of them had not even known. Totally mm. against the spirit of the Act, the Land Acquisition Act, uh, Chapter 53 or 2. So once I said that, a lot of people were, who were present were shocked um, because they had not known. Uh, and um, I had all of the you know, I had all of the various um, publications of the Gazette. I and mean, I'll show you the kind of list we're talking here. Um, I can, wow. Several documents here, as you can see. So they were published the in the Gazette. The largest one. Mm. So, 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 so most people found out uh, about the acquisition um, through that public meeting on, on, on the 13th of October. Now, what then happened was that there was also, um, because once these, once the acquisition takes place, there's always a notice within the Gazette that informs you where you can actually go and take a look of this, uh, of the plan. So you can, whatever portion of land you have, you should be able to look at the actual, um, um, you know, uh, the actual government um, um, acquisition uh, policy in terms of the map, and, the, and you should be able to pick your property, you can say, okay, well, my property is lot, whatever it is, and it fits within the, 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 the designated area, and therefore it is within the acquisition zone. So I did that as well. There was no, there was no um, uh, map or plan, although there was, it was published since February uh, 2020, that in fact a copy of this plan could be viewed at the London Surveys um, office. But there was none, and I, I, I'd gone there on three occasions. We also, from the, the second public meeting we had, we sent two other people who were totally independent from the Wesley um, um, Development Organization to also request to take a look at this map. So there was none. So there was no information available to any of the members of the public, nor was there any serious consultation conducted so that people would actually even know whether their land was in fact targeted to be acquired. So, you refer to the to the, uh, the chapter fifty three or two of the Act. What year was that Act passed? Um, you know? That Act, well, that, that Act has been around for some time. It was. I'll just give you the, the date. So it's that. so it's not a recent Act that was passed by no, by this no, administration. No. Once you had chapter, once you had chapter, 
it mm -hmm. was it came into in in in, in it was uh, came into force sometime after 1990, and mm -hmm. um, anything new would be would be um, um, the, the the markings would be a bit different. So you can tell it's, a, it's Act 52 of 19 or of, of 19 or 2019 or any of those things. Once you had chapter, then it's obviously an old piece of legislation that's been around for some time. So it's a legislation so it's that precedes. It's a legislation that precedes um, the current government. It's not. It's not a legislation that was passed. Oh yes, yes. By so we're, we're talking. We're talking about um, uh, 1946. Um, 1946. This is well during the time we were under the English okay. English control. Okay. Um, and these were were legislation that came up from 1961. They were edited, um, Chapter 170. So it was Act Number Seven of 1946. So this is all legislation. I mean, this has been used before, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's being used concurrently while this airport acquisition is taking place. This act is being used to acquire land all the time. In fact, the various um, help centers that are being uh, being built now were actually acquired through this process. And just about every piece of property that the government uses to put in a public uh, uh, facility is acquired in this fashion. So it's been wrong so, for some time. So 1961 so, is when it starts. But but so just just to lay the groundwork, when the government needs land from a private citizen, they don't have to use the act. They can go directly to the homeowner or the landowner and say, we want to build a health center or we want to build an airport. And where we think it is best suited, in we would need the land that you own. So are you willing to sell it for the government? And how much yeah. would you sell it for? Yeah. So that, that, that option is always available. Yes, that happens a lot. Um, right. And that normally happens in places where the land is normally very small. The owner um, probably is somebody that's easily approachable. And it's not much of a huge disturbance to actually approach the person and, and offer to buy the land. And in most cases, the discussion is really about the price. Right. Um, so you normally the land acquisition is used when it's a normally a substantial property and they, they really need to put it in that particular place for whatever reason that they've identified. And um, they do not wish to have any major opposition except for negotiating the actual compensation level that the owner will receive. So apart from that, um, th these discussions take place all the time. In this so instance... In this sense, we're looking at more than 400, 400 acres of land right? and in a particular track. Mm -hmm. So that option of negotiating with people um, was not going to be chosen. It's going to be an acquisition. But even so, in, the, but, in that but, acquisition... But um, no, I want us to go a little slowly because, yes, it's, you know, um, there are a lot of folks who are not legal and who need to understand it. So in terms of the act, in the very crisp and and and... and methodological way. Can you just outline what are the steps, what's the process that the Act says that should be followed if the government is going to acquire land um, under Chapter 53 or 2? Right. What, what the government must do, the government must first identify that, that the land is needed for public purpose. Okay. Uh, there are various explanations of what the public purpose is, uh, but a public purpose could also include a company building a facility for the government for public purpose. So it's quite wide, um, but it has to be for public purpose. In this instance, is for a 
International Airport. It's not a private okay. airport. It's not a it's not a, a secret project. It's a public project for public purpose. So that's section three of the Land Acquisition mm -hmm. Act. And it okay. clearly explains um, what that is. Okay. Now, what the government ought to do is to begin negotiating. First, appoint uh, a designated officer. In this instance, they have appointed uh, Mr. Lestrade, who is the uh, the person responsible for land and surveys, we, we call it. Um, uh, but what they have done in this instance, instead of appointing Mr. Lestrade for all of the acquisition from the first instance, they appointed him to acquire portions of land as he went along. So they, they began with acquiring land further away from the village in the heights of Woodford Hill, which is where part of this airport footprint would be. And then they came down all the way into the Wesley village, obviously with more populated people and more difficulties in terms, of, in terms of acquiring and in terms of dealing with a number of house owners. Some of the, some of the properties have houses on them, some of them just uh, land which farms, some of them were cultivated. So the difficulty became more and more pronounced as they approached the, 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 the village of Wesley, which is the, the, okay. the tail end of the village of Wesley. So um, essentially, the negotiation is supposed to take place. And after the negotiation takes place, and there's some kind of agreement, a general agreement, uh, uh, an assessment board is put in place to set the compensation amount. And then the government publishes once. After the government publishes once, and the compensation is agreed, the government publishes twice. Once the government publishes twice in the official gazette, that is the end of the acquisition process. So they have already acquired your land. And all that is left to do is to pay you the actual compensation that, they, that the, um, the assessment board would have agreed. Now, there's also specific provisions in the legislation that says, well, a public officer is not supposed to be involved in determining the, the level of compensation that you receive. But the act does give the, the officer, the, the, you know, the, 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 the central officer, I would say, to make it easy for people to understand. To, to have general discussions with you, but it's the, the assessment board that makes and sets the number, the amount of the compensation. There have been and no how, assessment how, board. How is the, how is the assessment the board, how is the assessment board supposed to be um, made up? Who's supposed to okay. comprise well, the assessment board? This is another thing I have raised. The assessment board is normally, normally chaired by one of the sitting judges. For a long time, and I guess in the 60s and 64s, uh, you know, 61 upwards when this legislation was put in place initially. Um, it was, we only had one resident judge. Now we have two, which is a recent thing. We have one sitting on the civil bench, one sitting on the criminal bench. A few months ago, both judges um, were mentioned in the public in relation to what some, of, some members of the public uh, believe would be an, uh, a, a conflict in some of these judges sitting. Uh, one had been sitting in Dominica for, for several years. Uh, the normal custom is that somebody sits for three, four years, and then they are, they are redeployed to another area to ensure that there is no um, you know, uh, favoritism or, or whether perceived or otherwise of the judge sitting in a jurisdiction for too long. Um, so the, one of the judges is actually a native Dominican who has sat in Grenada and then sat here in Dominica for the past year now. So the name was mentioned. Also, there was a perceived conflict between that judge 
and um, um, the Attorney General who had written uh, in relation to questioning some of so whether that judge should actually sit because of the fact that she was a native Dominican. So you have two major public issues. So I, I had mentioned when I spoke in public on the second occasion that even in the application of this assessment board and the appointment assessment board, um, perhaps the members of Wesley, the, the, the people themselves, should request that a separate judge be sent from the, um, the Legal and Judicial Services Commission in, in St. Lucia to sit on this committee because there is so much public uh, discussion about the judges and their ability to be impartial. That we always need to be careful because you, you, you cannot and should not attack a judge um, on a personal attack, which is one, unfounded, and two, is questionable. So yes, you, you can and should discuss and critique any judge's opinion because they become public once they're released. But we have to be very careful about attacking somebody's personal character um, in relation to a judge who's sitting on the bench. I think that just interferes with the separate, um, you know, uh, separate and impartial function of the judiciary. There are closeness because of the manner in which we fund the judiciary here in the, in, in the Caribbean, because the, 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 the countries, heads of state, heads of government, I should say, um, vote for the chief justice, for example. Sometimes there's a perceived uh, um, interference um, based on the, 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 the history of a judge's ruling, for example, and those things are raised on a, on a regular basis. So there are several issues that affect the public's perception of the, uh, the ability of a particular judge to be impartial because of the political pressure in relation to the funding structure that's in place. Although I believe as an attorney, I, I, I don't see it as a direct um, issue. I think that uh, the instances when people raise um, questions but I, I don't feel, I feel, yes, you, you may say that the funding structure may influence the judges, but I think that we need to look directly at the functions of the judges themselves. So that is one of the issues of the assessment board. Now, the judge sitting, after having been chosen or selected or appointed, can in fact appoint some other chair if they feel that person is able to. Uh, so that, that, is, that is an issue. But what, is, what, is, what we need to be careful of is this. A person whose land is being, who comes before the assessment board for uh, uh, an amount to be assessed of, of a compensation level, if that person does not appear on their own or appoint someone to assess or to protect their interests, then the legislation, the act, can impose someone. So that person cannot stop the process of the assessment board deciding what the assessment could be for their property. So that's the way the assessment board works. Now, none have been appointed so far. So this process, you saw acquisition, you saw publication once, publication twice, all of which was completed by the end of, of October, and there's no assessment board put in place. And many, many questions have emerged as a result of that, because in public and, inter and, and international um, publications of those who sell, for example, passports as agents for, for the current government, um, have released um, um, documents and, and, and advertisements suggesting that 
all of the land have been acquired and all the people whose land have been acquired have been compensated. That is clearly not the case. I, I only know and I can only confirm that one individual, one family, have received compensation for two lots of land and property, meaning houses, they upon those properties. But that is, that know, is two out of 200 and something landowners, no? It, well, it's even more than that. It's, it's actually more than that because I think they, they increased it slightly. So there is, mm. there is, there is a, and that was a very interesting one because that individual who was in fact um, one of my clients, um, we, we had assessed the property and um, several meetings had taken place and I think they were frustrated. So he appeared on the radio, uh, I think it was Q95, and threatened that, um, you know, uh, that he would consider blocking the roads. And that very day, within hours, uh, the, the funds was received for the compensation of those two properties. After that, we have heard of no other compensation amounts paid to anyone, any of the landowners, that we can confirm. I can only confirm this one. So, the, but the amount that was paid was based on a negotiated um, assessment of the property? Yes, it was a negotiated assessment of the property. Of the property. But once the, the public meetings were held by WDO, West Development Organization, there was a slight increase in the amounts that the government offered to settle. So clearly the public meetings had some influence in terms of raising people's awareness and also uh, the willingness of the government negotiators to offer more. I mean, there are instances where people, neighbors beside each other are receiving substantially different um, offers of compensation, substantially. We're talking in some cases $8 and in some cases $3 per square foot. But the issue is that land prices are set based on current recent transactions. And the last recent transaction is, is by uh, one of the landowners uh, the, uh, from, from Eden Estate, uh, uh, 5,000 square feet at $8 um, a square foot. And in some instances, and that, that is a property that is way in the whole of Wesley, I would, I would say. Now, if you're on the main road in Wesley, I wouldn't start, nego start negotiating at anything less than $15 a square foot. Because you're on the main road, you're in the middle of the, of the in some cases, the, 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 the business areas, have access to all the facilities. So there's no reason why you should be accepting $8 a square foot. So there's a lot of that going on. And, and uh, the government is a bit locked in the sense that the area to which the, 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 the footprint of the runway, the alleged runway, which will come, we're not sure where it's coming, um, mm -hmm. is in fact within the zone of their supporters, for example. Now, that, does, that does not mean that although it's, it is within the, 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 the footprint of their supporters that those people have received compensation levels that they, that they would they would appreciate or they would or they would um, agree to um, well, that is a double i was saying that could be a double-edged sword because now you're saying that the folks are supporters of the government and their property is being acquired by government acquired by the government yes. without prior negotiation yes. without prior knowledge and 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 so um, you know, it begs the question that if they're treating the folks who support them in that way, what would they do 
to to the folks that they perceive who do not who do not um, support them. But I, I I want to summarize and tell me if I'm correct the steps that you said that the the, the Act um, Chapter Fifty Three or Two. So it, it has to be established that the project is for public purpose. It has to they have to they have to appoint a designated officer um, that that's going to do it. There there has to be negotiation. There has to be an assessment board which is supposed to be headed by a sitting judge or someone appointed by um, a sitting judge. There has to be a publication in the Gazette, and that's what you showed, um, that pile of Gazette. There has to be two publications in the Gazette. Um, in between the publications, I assume um, landowners have the opportunity to, to raise their concerns and to make sure that they were, their interests were well represented. And once the second publication happens, then the land has been acquired. And you're saying that when you were preparing for that public meeting and you did your research, you're finding out that both publications had happened, which means that the acquisition was a fait accompli and the landowners did not know anything um, was going on. Is that, am, I, am I interpreting that correctly? Yes, that, that is precisely what it is. But, okay. but the government, um, local um, parliament representatives stated that, well, we've always had discussions with the, the farmers and the and the landowners, but we have to understand that there's two discussions taking place that have been taking place to particular people who may be affected, especially those who are here. Remember, there are a lot of landowners that are not in Dominic at the moment, who have no family in Dominic at the moment to look at their interest. Now, those discussions that took place early on was about compensation for, for plant life that had been on, the, on some of the land that they were going to acquire. That is what the discussion has been. Not necessarily the compensation for the, for the land itself, but just discussions, rough discussions, about the compensation of plant life. Now, even in that discussion, it's a nonsense. And I say it's a nonsense because they would offer, for example, somebody who has a breadfruit tree. You can sell a breadfruit from, from $1 all the way up, depending on, you know, on, 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 on supply of breadfruits at a time. But you want to offer a, a, a farmer the price for a breadfruit, which makes no sense because within one harvest cycle, that farmer could make maybe $400 or $300 from this one tree in that one cycle. So to offer them an amount of money, which is less than one season harvest of this breadfruit tree, is actually unfair. And it's wicked, especially now, given the slow economic activity in the country, given the difficulties um, with, uh, with ports being closed and that food would have to be consumed within the state as they cannot be uh, sent out, then the government has to be more sensitive in terms of setting the correct fair price for the compensation of the plants that will have to be destroyed or removed on those lands. And that's a huge problem. Even the process by which the lands are being cleared from, from, from of plants is in fact unfair and unlawful. Last few weeks ago, we had a, a gentleman who had received a letter prior to the year before. He was planting on some land that someone had acquired. Someone had, they had already acquired a person's land from the from the last airport um, um, uh, scheme 
uh, done by the previous government of the, of the United Workers Party, I believe it was. And that person was just planting because they allowed people to plant and they harvested. Now, he was came, he came to be seen uh, at his home and then uh, he was, he was, um, he would, so he, he was told, well, he can speak to the pal rep or he can speak to um, the local, I believe the local um, um, council head. The previous council chairman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the person who went, went to church on a Sunday, he came back and his field was completely demolished. And in fact, what was demolished was about 2,000 plants of plantain, about 200 other plants like Dashin and uh, Tanya and those sort of things. And um, he was not paid any compensation. Now, within those 2,000 plants, there was about 1,000 plants that had um, plantain that were ready to be harvested. Now, plantain is about a dollar a pound. The average plantain bunch would go from as low as $45, sometimes all the way up to $70 or $73, $74 in weight. So therefore, he would be owed maybe a good $150,000 just for the plantain. Of a thousand plantains, about $150,000 plus the other plants that were destroyed. I think that is complete nonsense. Plus, if you're saying to that farmer that you've begun a clearing of land process, because in the middle of this land acquisition, some of the, uh, of the, of the um, landowners are being offered land swap, which is not part of the mechanisms or the provisions within the Land Acquisition Act, Chapter 5302. But some of them are, in fact, being given the option of land swap because the government have already purchased the land. Some have already been paid. But there are some sections of the land where people have not taken money. In fact, in some cases, they have put escrow accounts and put monies in there, assuming that this monies will be taken. This we're talking years. People have not taken those money. And therefore, the, this, the scheme of the airport under the last government should be considered an abandoned an exercise because no airport was built. Now, this act speaks of abandonment. Um, okay, and therefore, Let's see, I want you to stick a pin in that. I need to just do a quick um, station break to, to inform listeners who may not have joined us at, right from the beginning that you're listening to this week in interview with your host, Anthony Drago. And uh, we're talking with my guest, Tihani Behanzin, Behanzin, and we are talking about the acquisition of land for the construction of the International Airport in the Wesley area. If you tuned in to last week's episode, I had two members of the Wesley Development Organization who were talking about the acquisition of their land and um, the state of negotiation or lack of negotiation that was done with them for the acquisition of those land. And so I brought Tihani on tonight to, to clear up some of the technical issues um, legal-wise in terms of what go what's going on. So, so we take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we are going to continue our conversation with Tiani. And um, he, he's going to talk about some um, issues that, that relates the, the acquisition of land by the previous administration and what happens with that land and, and with the current um, airport project. So stay tuned and we will be right back. When you feel a sneeze or a cough coming, <coughs> covering your mouth prevents the spread of germs. You probably knew that. 
But the way you cover up also matters. And that means breaking a habit you've held near and dear all your life. Cover your nose and mouth with your flexed elbow or a tissue, not your hands. Discard the used tissue immediately. Then wash your hands. Help stop the spread of germs. Remember, your health is your responsibility. A message by the Health Promotion Unit of the Ministry of Health, Wellness and New Health Investment, Dominica. Welcome back, listeners, and thank you for staying with me through the break. Um, it's never too much to remind um, you to stay safe during the um, COVID pandemic and the things that we can do to protect ourselves and our loved ones. How we sneeze, how we protect um, projectiles from getting airborne and infecting other persons. We have, we have to really work as one to, to try to eliminate COVID so we can get back to, to life um, in some semblance of normalcy. But tonight, I'm talking to Tiani Behanzin. Behanzin. Um, he's an attorney at law practicing in Dominica, resident um, uh, in, in, in Wesley or close enough um, to Wesley. I think he said he, re he resides in Wesley. And he's given us uh, uh, a, a bird's eye view of the, of the law, the Act 5302, which gives the government the, the privilege to acquire private lands um, for public purpose. And this is being exercised in the Wesley area right now. Over 200 landowners uh, have their property being acquired by the government for the construction of an international airport. So welcome back, Tiani, uh, right before the break, you were, you were making um, reference to the previous government acquiring land from um, landowners in the same area. I think they acquired in that instance about a thousand acres of land for the construction of an international airport. And you were saying that in some of these instances, um, some folks have been allowed to go back on that land and to farm. In some of these instances, persons have never accepted compensation for those properties. So, so without trying to to muddy the waters too much because some of these laws are even complicated in their own rights. Um, how how does that previous acquisition of land by by United Workers Party government prior to 2000 um, impact on this current project that that this current administration is undertaking? Well, as as I as I was saying, is that. Um, those individuals who did not wish to be just simply compensated and wanted land were being offered land swap deals, which is outside of the purview of the Acquisition Act. But because the government had acquired the land, the government have been trying to move people on that land. In some instances, the land had been occupied by other people for years. We're talking 10 years, 15 years, some, in some cases, sometimes longer. And what they have been doing, they have just been transporting people onto that land and allowing them to take land. But you cannot, in any of the civilized um, um, uh, jurisdictions where, where common law is practiced, you cannot just go and remove somebody occupying a property. You need, to, you need to take action in the court. The person refuses to leave. You can't just shop with a bulldozer and bulldoze them. 
And what's happening now is that some people are being just displaced. I mean, in the London dairy area, there are people who have acquired a, that, that the two portions of the land as you come from the airport for more than 20 years. And those people um, um, have, people have appeared, sprayed, and just taken over land that other people have, have, have been occupying. That cannot be done, that's unlawful. But still, it is being done. And in some cases, at the horn of that piece, that piece of land, uh, individuals who support the current administration have been told to just go and take the land. In certain instances, other individuals are being used to fight those who are occupying, to force them out. So the government appears not to be involved in this racket, but it, in fact, it is something that, the, that, that um, government agents are putting people onto the land that have been occupied by other people. So there's a huge dispute going on. And in some cases, young plants and i understand plants are difficult to find in the western area but they are bulldozing those plants saying and suggesting that they're going to do agricultural projects they're going to relocate a host of things that they've been saying and those land in some cases have been bulldozed over a year so you could have had a full harvest of plantain for example full harvest of bananas and various other crops including short crops maybe four or five harvests Section, um, um, sessions could have passed while you just bulldoze the land. So there's a lot of political partisan action taking place against this, the rights of individuals occupying those lands. You must take action or negotiate with people to get them off the land. You cannot just come and bulldoze. If you bulldoze, you must pay compensation. And I think eventually you're going to have an explosion of violence because, for example, if you go and plant 200 acres of, of planting. I mean, I grew up in the St. Joseph area. I spent most of my youth on the, the, the lands of Camus Joseph. We had uh, two, three truckloads of bananas every, every, uh, every other week. So I know that you plant, first of all, you, you clean, you, you plant, you fertilize, you, um, you, um, you trim, you, yeah. um, you, you, you sleeve, know, you, spend, you deflower. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. do a series of things. You cover mm -hmm. the plants and you, know, you put the plastic. There's mm -hmm. several pieces of work and that all costs money. So how do you just show up on a man's piece of land that he has been planting for, in some cases, 20 years, and you bulldoze him and, and pay no compensation, say nothing to him? And then in this last instant there of two, three weeks ago, the bulldozer came just to clear that piece of land. The bulldozer was not there to begin a clearing process of all of the land. The bulldozer was used against that particular individual. I believe, I believe he, was, he was victimized because he had spoken to a group of individuals who had come here and were asking about people's views about this airport deal. So while he's at church, they bulldoze the 200 acres, the, the 200, um, 2,000 plants, and the other plants, the other plants that were there. So that's, and then the, the bulldozer disappears. So it was not a, 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 a organized you know, action that began to clear a whole area. This was just a precise hit on this particular farmer. That is nonsense and that is unlawful. And they need to pay him compensation. I, I, I encourage him to get the services of a lawyer and take the government to court for the destruction of his, of his, um, his plants. So that brings me to my next to my next question: That what what are the options that are able? So we we spoke about the government's privilege to acquire private lands under Chapter Fifty Three Hundred Two, 
if it's for public purpose. What are the rights of the landowner uh, when government tries to exercise that privilege? I, I can imagine that there should be some kind of protection for, for a landowner in those circumstances. Well, in relation to the, because there are two issues. One is the last airport done by the previous government. In relation to the acquisition of the land for this particular international airport, there's nothing that the, the owners can do. They cannot stop the acquisition. All they can do is ensure that they receive a fair, just compensation for the loss of their property. That's it. Now, so the, so the government, the government doesn't have the government doesn't have to have. Does, there's no onus on government to prove that that land is actually needed, and there's no alternate site. There's no there's no standard set in the law for that. Well, the, the thing is, the land acquisition does not get into that. All it gives the government is an opportunity to acquire land for public purpose. That's all it does. That's all it does. And once okay. they publish twice, they have done that and they have acquired land. The issue is that you can take any action that the government takes. You can take a judicial review against the action of the government. And there are two pieces in this in the in, in, in the manner in which such an application appears before the court. The first one is leave to appeal for full judicial review. So the, the court has to give grant you leave. Once leave is granted, a period of time after your, your cause to serve documents onto the other side, which is the Attorney General and, 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 and any specialist organization with the government, then you hear the full application. But the problem is that because of the, of the heavy load of the court, that being one of the obvious ones, there are the others, but because of the heavy loads, very few judicial review application against the government is heard and heard promptly and done in time. For example, the bridge that was built in Rosa, the Central Bridge, there was an injunction against the, the building of that bridge because of some issue of the manner in which the procurement and the bidding process took place. That application had never been fully completed, but the, the, the bridge was never stopped and it continued and it completed. Still, the, 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 the provisions put in place by, from, from the case results into the judicial decisions were never executed and the bridge was in place, it was finished, they had the huge ceremony, turn on the lights, people started going back and forth, there was jokes about whether people should use donkeys underneath the bridge, all sorts of foolishness. But the, the, the purpose, when you, when you first put a judicial review, the first point that you do is you ask for an injunction to stop the other side, in which case the government, from proceeding with the very thing that you're bringing to court to decide on. And that never happens. So, so you say that the injunction if, was filed, but it was never heard? Yes, it was never heard. No, in this instance, I believe the people in Wesley are fearful. Most of them are fearful. Secondly, some who are supporters of the, of the government feel that they may be victimized and therefore they are not prepared to take any legal action. But there are, number of, there are a number of points that could be raised. I don't think they will stop the acquisition, but what you can do is two things. You can force the government to put something in place. You need to, before you go and decide you're going to put an airport in this place or that spot or whatever spot it is, you need to at least have the studies that will tell you, yes, this is a good place to put an airport. So you do socioeconomic um, um, studies, you do wind studies, meteorological studies. You're saying that those studies, studies are not available? 
None. They have not done any of them. None they has been quite done. Con- uh, although there is a program um, run by the prime minister called Anupale, um, it's been paradised right now by the the current um, um, Calypso competition going on. But Anupale, a number of government decisions that you would expect to be explained and passed in parliament are released on a regular weekend in just someone having a discussion. In such discussion, they have indicated that they have small studies they have completed. Nobody has seen them. They have not been made public. But it indicates to them that this is a good place for the airport. And one is that, well, from both angles of the airport, from the, the footprint, there's no major obstruction, no mountains, okay? Still, there's no report. Two, I live in the area. About maybe seven acres from me is a source of water that has been coming from the ground since the 1300 it has been used by the Jesuits and the other religious uh, groups that have been in the country. So in this area, there's at least four such water sources. There are three rivers, ravines, and other sources of water that emerge with heavy rainfall during the wet season. No studies are dealing with that at all. Does that mean that we're going to put a floating runway? What exactly are we going to do in this area that will make this place suitable for an airport? Even if you come and you do the wind studies, the, the, the footprint of the airport, and, I, and I'm not an engineer, so I can't say, uh, you know, uh, I'm an engineer, and therefore, but we're asking for the studies that will indicate to us and to the population and to the country, because it's not a it's not a Wesley issue, it's a national issue. It's not an airport for Wesley, it's an airport for the country, and it will be the largest civil project that we've had in our history. So I am assuming that this project would be informed by studies that are done in a public way, fairly, so we can determine whether this is in fact a suitable place to put an airport. Or is this an acquisition to divest people in Wesley of land for another purpose? Because what I guess no. what you're saying is that after you, if if after you acquire the land, then you conduct the studies, and the studies reveal that it's not appropriate for an airport. Yeah. What happens to the land that you've just acquired? Well, that's that's the point, and there, there are several concerns I have because there there are three. Remember this this discussion about airports have been going in Dominica for about fifty years. We have information that we can release that, and we can show that. And I think, Mister. Dr. Dr. Honeychurch have done a, a, a study, and Dominican should go and look at that. 50 years we've been talking about the airport. All of those discussions have come to the end. It is not suitable for an airport. Several different portions where we're supposed to put in the airport is not suitable. So why is it we're so confident that we're going to put it here? Without any studies at all, we're going to put it there. It's going to start there. It's going to finish there. Even the, 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 the video rendering of, a, of the supposed airport footprint shows you this huge expanse of land and then the runways in the middle. In this instant, the runway passes in the middle of the village. It all, it, I can't even see, there's no way you're going to take a picture of any aircraft landing on that footprint of an airport that they're talking about and you wouldn't see the houses. You will see some of the houses because the footprint is in the middle of the village, practically, well at the end of it. And at the end of the village, it passes through a row of houses. So you're going to demolish a row of houses to put this airport in there. I don't know how you're not going to be able to see those houses. So how do we determine that this is, this is a good place? How is it that we, we take 
more than 411 acres. We paid one person. We paid only one person. We said that the money will come from passport. Yet the last account of passport was a very, very small amount of money that was left in there. Now we're told this last few days that the Chinese have been approached to build an airport. And yes, the Chinese could do so. But the other problem I found is that in my research, there was no even planning permission. There's no planning permission for a runway. There's no planning permission for any of the outbuildings. There's no planning permission for, for any, any subterranean drainage. There's no planning permission for the, for the, the actual um, um, terminal. There's no planning permission. I'm not saying that everything we do has planning permission because it, it will surprise Dominicans to know that all of the health centers being built have no planning permission. The hospital being built in Marigot, I haven't seen the planning permission for that. But I understand, and I've been, I've been trying to go there for the last couple of weeks now, there is some issue with foundation problems where a large portion of that building have actually sunk. So therefore, they who, who, who's doing that construction, some, Well, that construction has been done by, uh, by the management, uh, the Montreal management uh, oh, group that's been built that, that, with Chinese well, labor, Chinese labor and Haitian labor. There are, there are hundreds of young people from Marigot, from Wesley, from Woodford Hill. Palm Tree has, has, has some young people. All over the country have young people unemployed, yet the, the, the labor staff for that, that, that hospital, for example, Haitians and Chinese. But that, that airport foundation has been patched up with some concrete work and I understand that a large portion of that building has cracked. So we need to understand why has it cracked? Is there an issue with the foundation? Is it, is, was there no planning permission? Was there no oversight? What is going on with that particular project? Especially now we're talking about an international airport. So there are several things that we need to see in place. And I think what the Wesley people should do collectively or individually, those affected especially, is to take the government to court on judicial review to force the government to put these studies in place before this acquisition of land ought to have been done. And therefore, maybe the court, although the court may not be able to reverse the acquisition, but the court could probably give the government a deadline to put these studies in place. So at least we'll know for sure. And two, to set up the assessment board so that those individuals whose property has already been quiet, who only found out when they attend the public meeting, and listen to some of the radio comments that we had subsequent to that by WDO and uh, the, the, uh, the airport uh, consultation group. So at least they will receive fair compensation for the properties that they have lost. And if the government does not put an airport down within a certain period of time that the land is returned to those people, they begin first option to get their land back. So basic options, they need to do that straight away. So the fair thing is a problem. In largely anyone in the country can challenge government decisions. They don't have to come from Wesley. They could come from Portsmouth, any other part of the country. They could be Dominican from anywhere. Challenge the decision to put the airport there unless they see the studies that justify whether or not that airport can or should, or whether the studies suggest that an airport can be sustained in that area. My concern is obviously the water sources in the area and what should be done. I know the engineers have all sorts of reasons. They put airports inside oceans before, so I'm surprised. I'm sure that they will be able to find 
some solution, I'm hoping, but we still need to know. And if we don't know what those things are, then the government should be honest and stop and put those things in place. So next steps for the people of Wesley who wants to protect their, their property. Um, I know I know you're suggesting taking them to court. That involves engagement of persons in the legal, in the legal um, field at least, and probably engineers, one or two, or maybe land surveyors and so on. Um, do you have an idea if there are like maybe an attorney or a group of attorneys who who may be approached or have already been approached to to represent the interests of the landowners? Well, I, I certainly have been approached. And I, in fact, I was invited to sit on the WDO. But there are a number of attorneys here, some probably more experienced than I in, in, in particular areas, uh, that can be. So I'm not, you know, I'm proposing that uh, a national organization should take the lead in that, instruct a number of, of attorneys with various expertise and perhaps even outside attorneys from the region or even internationally to assist such legal work. Um, I don't think there is really a negative movement against no airport in Wesley. I think people are just concerned as to whether or not it is, we have gone about it the right way. And if not, what can we do to, what, what can we do in a remedial way to fix it so we can proceed with getting to this point where we know whether or not an airport can be sustained in the area but most people now are not really against the airport per se. What they're against is the fact that there is no certainty as to whether or not the manner in which the acquisition took place and, and the intention of those who in, insist on putting an airport have gone about it the right way and what they intend to do to repair it. Most people do not believe there is funds available to even pay the compensation because otherwise, they all would have been paid by now, at least by July or June. So nobody's been paid. There's a couple of questions that I, um, final questions that I have as we go forward. I, uh, the act calls for the publication of these notices in the Gazette, yes. but we know the Gazette is not widely available. I mean, if folks are where they can go find the Gazette, but if you have no reason to expect something to be in the Gazette. Um, you don't just go look for the Gazette. So if I if I have land that Castle, I'm from Castlebrus, if I have land that Castlebrus and my land is acquired and it's published in the Gazette, I will never know because I'm not in the habit of reading the Gazette. What, what responsibility does the government have to ensure that the publication that it that it that it, it does to inform owners is actually a publication that's likely to be read? Or is it just the responsibility of a citizen to be familiar with what's published in the Gazette? Well, you see, what, what, what the, the Act says is that the government should immediately enter into negotiations with the landowner. That's what the Act says. Mm -hmm. It also says that the, the, the assessment process and the assessment board is a public process. It's not something you do secretly. Mm -hmm. So there's a public process, a public consult. The entire thing is... The, the, the spirit of the act is, is, is a public thing. I mean, it's for a public purpose, you acquire the land. You must speak to the people openly, publicly, consult with them, negotiate with them, compensate them, then publish. 
It's not a secret operation. It's not a one-man operation. It's not an Anupali operation. It's a parliamentary process agreed by the state. And the state must be informed so that any, any, everyone one takes ownership of the if, if it's airport we're building and we're doing it properly, we've got all the studies, then all of us are involved in airport. I would expect the opposition, all members of parliament involved, the senators, the opposition members, the government members, to sit there and come to some public discourse with this. And then we move as a nation to build the largest civil project, if that is what our studies say we should or we can do or we can get away with it, putting it in that place. That's what I'm assuming. I don't expect foreigners to come and just put a project down where there might be issues. Look at the, look at, look at the airport. Look at the hospital in, in Marigot. We have not even been told. There's so much discussion and traffic going on in social media about that. The potential difficulty with the foundation in that hospital, nothing is being said. So also, uh, I, I, we almost out of time. I want to get that question in because you you mentioned that the the process of going through a judicial review can be frustrated because of the workload of the courts or for whatever reason that a, an action can be filed, but it might take a long time to be heard. Is there is there an avenue? I know, like for example, the Eastern Caribbean courts has some jurisdiction. So so if you, if you were to file an injunction, let's say, in the local courts, and in your opinion, um, it's taken a long time, is there an avenue where one of those higher courts, regional courts, could be appealed to, to intervene on, on, on well, someone's behalf? Well, well yes. I, I believe the people of Wesley and the people of Dominica themselves, as I said, a national... I know there is a big national discussion taking place on Saturday. I have been asked and I've been told about it, so I know that's taking place. I don't know whether your, your station will be, will be co will recovering, but that's taking place on, 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 on Saturday. But I think that the people involved in that process need to write directly to the Chief Justice publicly. Don't send no private letter. Send a letter and publish that letter seeking a quick response to a judicial officer from the, the Judicial Legal Services Commission who will sit the same way we do it sometimes when there's election petitions, to sit and decide on these injunctions or these judicial review applications as a matter of urgency because of the importance of a decision on this airport. Especially only one person, I thought I understand, have been compensated. Yet everyone's land have been taken. In some cases, we come in up to almost a year that these people have been taken and they have just been compensated. So really, we, we're almost looking at abandonment period when you pass three months four months you're looking at abandonment period so in some cases they have taken the land but they really have almost abandoned Abandoned. okay so so let me let me jump in right here tiani because we, we're practically out of time and say yes indeed cdnradio.net will be carrying the public discussion on saturday this saturday from 2 p.m to 5 p.m we'll be carrying the discussion to tune in for that on cdnradio.net is a public discussion on the international airport project and also i want to give you a final word i don't know if there's any um any 
item we haven't touched on or spoken about, um, which you think is important that we mention. But I invite you now to make um, closing uh, closing remarks. And of course, uh, I would love to have you back. This is a discussion that I think has just started. So I'm hoping that I can I can entice you to come back um, at, at a future date so we could continue. Yes, the, 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 well, I would say the first thing is that people in West need, need to be cognizant of the fact that there is no provision for land swap within the current Acquisition of Land Act. There's no such thing as land swap. So you're taking your chances. Also, the issues of getting a title for the land that they promised to give you is an issue. In fact, some people have been located on land that was purchased, well, what they thought was purchased, and those people have been ejected. So do not give up your property, although they've acquired it, do not leave your property unless you receive compensation. Do not leave the property. Frustrate the taking of your property because as long as you're there, at least you're physically there, and let them take legal action to remove you. That, at least, you will be in a better position to at least receive your compensation. I'm not saying you go on the radio and threaten to block the road. I'm not saying you do any of those things. But I'm saying that you be more active and cognitively aware Uh, I wonder if we lost Tiani. Oh, he's there. Well, listeners, we... What is going on? Yeah, so to pay competition in the land they're bulldozing right now, to pay competition to all those whose land they have acquired, to put the studies in place. And if the study shows that it's not a suitable place for an airport, come publicly and say so as quick as possible, as soon as you get information, and do so in a fashion that is open. There's another site that we can look to put airport. Do so, but also please tell us how we'll pay for it. How we'll maintain it. Because we can't even maintain Canefield Airstrip. I don't know how we're gonna maintain the, the international airport. Now, I understand from, from Rosie, um, Rosie Douglas, not Rosie Douglas, that towards the time of his death, he had, in a briefcase to which the contents of which appeared on the on, on, on the, the founding of his body that morning, there was a plan for the China from the Chinese, the Chinese company was gonna build an airport, managed it for a number of years, then repair it and transfer it to the state. That's what they were going to do. As far as I'm concerned, that is the only way we're gonna have an international airport. If that's the case, could you tell us what happened to that plan that was in Rose's briefcase? Where is it? Why did Pierre Charles get a copy of that? Why did this current re regime and leadership have a copy of Pierre Charles never, never saw a copy of that? Yet that was in the briefcase that Rosie Douglas came overseas from and was in his house that morning that he died and they were taken away by Jane Hurst. Where is that document? And if, as far as he, he explained to me, he was calling a short election in December for January, the first of January. And the first of the project would be that international airport built, managed, and transferred back to the state after. So it wasn't costing us any money. It wasn't gonna cost us anything to maintain. It was going to be built, managed, and then transferred. As far as I'm concerned, that's the only way we can put an airport in Dominica. 
I don't care how many passports you sell, because you'll be looking at selling a four, 30, 40,000 passport, which means that the national state's identity is at risk. 40,000 people can show up at our doorsteps and vote us out. So we can have Ching Chong Wong as our president. And okay. our prime minister might be Wong something. So what I'm saying is that we already sold 30,000 plus passports. Let us be careful about the selling passport to build an airport that we cannot afford. Let us be clear and let us be open and public with the people. This is not a private operation. This is a public operation. Let us be fair and open and be transparent. Be fair and, and, and yeah. consult with uh, people. Uh, Tell us what's going on. Tell definitely. us what's going on. Yeah. So, Thierry, I, um, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, very full of information. Um, obviously, it's your, your area, the legal area. And um, I want to get a commitment from you that you're going to come back as this issue progresses and also to make available um, the resources at CDN Radio and on my program, The Circuit Interview, to really communicate to the public the issues in, in the manner that you did tonight. So, so thank you so much for that and I appreciate yes. you coming well, I, I, I will come back and, uh, and and I'll say that, you know, I, I, I contribute all the time to the things that I can contribute on. Um, I, I'm called to practice in Trinidad, in, uh, in Montserrat and in St. Lucia. I spent a lot of time in St. Lucia doing mostly human rights cases where uh, those individuals have been incarcerated for, for time, in some cases 12 years plus. Um, so I spend a lot of time doing human rights work. It's not lucrative work, so nobody wants to do it. So, so that just done. reminds me. That reminds me, Tiani. Can you tell listeners how they can reach you if they if they need your services? Yes. Well, um, you could you could reach me through WDO. They are they are set up in, in Wesley. Um, I don't. I I have not done. I've done mostly public work in relation to the airport, appearing uh, mm. and speaking at public functions. I, I I I spend a lot of time looking at some of the valuations because it's very easy to to, to assess it. Um, mm. Because, because some people are being given hundreds of thousands of dollars less than their properties are worth. That is public theft. And in some cases, the individuals who are negotiating have no authority to do so. All right, so let's leave it there because we're flat out of time. But I say, as I said, there's a lot of, of, of reason for you to come back. So I look forward to our next conversation. And I look forward to um, Saturday's um, program at 2, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. on, on um, tdnradio.net. So, listeners, there you have it. This has been another um, episode of This Week in Interview. And we're continuing to dig and explore into the construction of the International Airport and the issues surrounding the acquisition of land. My guest tonight was Mr. Tiani Behanzi. Uh, uh, attorney at law so it, if, i know I, mm -hmm. if we have all of the, the 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 appropriate you know studies that proves that an, an airport is something that can be placed i'll be the first champion of it but i'm okay. not going to be sitting quietly when there are so many questions to answer before we lift a shovel all right so i look forward to having you back and we can explore that and, and continue to, to, to supply people information. So thank you very much, listeners. Have a great week. Listen and tune in, tune in on Saturday from 2 to 5 on um, tdnradio.net. Good night.